This is the 18th season of Bass Talk Live. With your host, Matt Pangrad. BTL is brought to you by Lorance, Bass Cat Boats, AFCO, Strike King Lures, Sunline, Big Bite Baits, Spro, X-Zone Lures, Gamakatsu, The Bass Tank, Denali Rods, and Pro Guide Batteries. PTL, coming at ya! Good morning and welcome to another exciting edition of BTL Bass Talk Live, where we are going to talk about bass fishing. It is Wednesday, August 24th. Almost to the end of August. Almost here. September. That is sitting in the uh, sitting in the seat next to me there, Mr. Bradley Hallman. Like he said before, his kids go to school down the road, so I don't know what day of the week, when, or how, but sometimes he texts me. He's like, hey, you want me to roll by and stop by the studio since I literally have to pass it on the way to drop the kids off? And I'm like, absolutely. Never turned down a chance to have Bradley Hallman in studio, but we are almost back in action for the Final Four Bassmaster Opens of the 2022 season dude you're gonna have a lot of work to do to put some stuff in the can because we're not going to be home very much yeah so i'm working on uh shows for uh the next couple weeks already and did a really really good show really pumped up about this one with gerald spore ran into him at uh icast uh i used to, i used to talk to him like all the time right and then he got busy he got big and then he was offshore all the time so i did a really really good show on gerald uh, with gerald spore and it's interesting we we did a show uh, and we talked nothing industry. It was all fishing related, right? Right. About his tools that are always on the, the front deck, regardless of where he goes, coast to coast, and why those tools are the basic tools. And there's like five or six of them, and his reasoning and stuff behind it is really good. And then uh, later today, I'm actually filming with uh, probably the hottest angler. Yeah, the, the hottest angler going right now without a win. I guess, would be Dakota Ebear. We'll have to ask our guest today. He's been able to, to cover him through uh, professionally yep. uh, and watched a lot of it go down, and that is, uh, I had to ask for his title, Managing Editor-Website Major League Fishing's Jody White. He's also a heck of a bass fisherman. Jody's been around the block a while now. I remember when he was a young man, but he has been doing this well, for quite some time. He's still a young man. He, he just is. Added a he mu- just started. Just added a mustache. He That's was like, all he did. He was like 12 when he started. He looked like it anyway. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, Dakota Ebear, looking forward to. I don't know Dakota that well. Uh, I always tell the story, and I'm sure I'll yeah. tell it later. The only thing I know about Dakota Ebear is I watched him break 60-pound braid on a frog in the back of a pocket, and I was complaining about losing a fish, and he to another angler and all of a sudden over my shoulder i hear him yell at least you didn't break off a four pounder on a frog <laughs> and i look back and it was dakota ebear <laughs> he was pretty bitter but i mean everything has been going right uh right for him lately and uh he's one of those guys who deserves some hardware don't you think as, as well as he's been fishing with the oh he's the, he's like five top top sixes in a row i think between the bpt and the pro circuit it's coming it's coming. He's been hungry for a while. I've known him for, for quite a while. Spent you do time. I've actually, I've, yeah, I've actually stayed in the house with him before. Really? Yep. He's one of those dudes who uh, seems like he can't. Well, I'll ask him about this when I film. But to me, and having fished the uh, Costas at the time, Toyotas now, and the Opens and covering this game, he's one of those guys that it, 
appears out of thin air to most people, but the people behind the scenes know how hard he's worked and how many tournaments he's fished yeah. and how much he's yeah. paid his dues. Yeah. So it looks like, hey, who is this guy who's all of a sudden catching him on the BPT and the pro uh-huh. circuit? But in uh-huh. reality, right. that dude spends yeah. way more time on the water than your average cat. Yeah, he's one of the young guys that um, early on was literally living out of the back of his truck. Yeah. Literally. Yeah. And then Hungry. Got- yeah, and then got one of the little campers. Um, he's he's done about everything he can to do this sport. And he, he, he's he's devoted to it 12 months out of the year. I'm so proud of you. Is the mustache tickling the mic? Is it getting stuck when you speak? I like how I you just, are right up against I'm, that windscreen on I the know. mic just making. Once once I started, like, it's it's the square bill against the lay down. That's all you have to think for the next Whoa. hour. It's just square bill on the lay down. You want it just to be kissing <laughs> that wood. All right. He's jacking. He's laughing about it. Let's, uh, let's bring in Jody White. Mr. Jody White, thank you. I think, is this the first time that you've ever been on BTL or have you made one other appearance in the past? It is definitely the first time I've been on BTL, and uh, thanks for having me on. Oh, we have Joe Pogger on all the time, uh, and Joe is great, but he's the he's the media guy, right? The the PC guy who has the general answers to everything. Does he? I mean, he kind of calls you for info sometimes, doesn't he? Well, maybe, but so like Joe, <laughs> when I first started with FLW, Joe worked alongside me, kind of helped me get hired, and then when Joe's boss left. Joe was my boss for a period of time. So like Joe was one of the first people when I started working and fishing out of college that, you know, I got to know. Genuinely good dude. He's awesome. Yeah. Genuinely good dude. Yeah. Nice guy. So you're uh, set the stage here. What do you do? What is your title? What is your job? How do you pay the bills to afford fancy mics like that that make my job easier because your sound is so crisp and clean? (laughs) First of all, work bought the mic, um, so oh, okay. it's not. I didn't. Uh, I, I didn't spend any money on that. If uh, and I don't like own my own camera gear. I, you know, spend all my money on fishing stuff basically. Um, but I pretty much cover tournaments for a living. I started out uh, doing the PR side for FLW. I did that for like a year and a half, two years in Minnesota, um, and you know, I've always been full time on a salary like a regular job. Um, and then I moved down to Kentucky and started working down there at the Kentucky office. And that's when I kind of moved to the magazine website side. And I've really just been doing that ever since, uh, you know, tournament coverage from slapping on GoPros in the morning when we used to do that to, uh, trying to figure out where, so-and-so who's in seventh in a Toyota series event, is on some lake where there's a thunderstorm. So you're kind of a jack of all trades on that, and then you just slowly worked your way up. So you've been there. You've been at, at, at uh, FLW slash MLF. You said, did you say what the first year you started was? out of? Uh, I meant to go look it up a minute ago, and I never did, but I think I've been here nine years now. Wow. It's almost a decade. That's a That's a lot longer than a lot of people last in the uh in the industry it's a career now like i remember when i hit like that kind of time period with with mark uh everyone's ah, it's a miracle you can survive mark for eight or nine years but <laughs> you know once i got over that initial shock i realized holy cow this is a this is a career right it's not like oh i did that for a couple years it's like a whole you know and then you know who knows how long you make it last 20 30 40 50 years but you have a career in the industry now once you've made it that long. 
yeah, I mean, it helps. I'm a morning person. Takeoff is pretty easy for me. Um, and I really like watching people catch bass. And honestly, like, I don't know. I like mowing the lawn, but like, I'm not good enough at fishing to make money fishing. And I really don't know what else I'd be good at. Like, I can't do math. I don't really like kids that much. Like, Dude, we're the same I don't, person, there's though. a lot of things where I'm like, I just don't know what I would do if I didn't do this. So it's, uh, I got really lucky to end up here. I've roomed with Brad. Now I want to get into, uh, Brad called and he said, Hey, I got in a studio. I said, Hey, I said, I, you, you know, Jody white, right? And Brad got jacked up. He's like, dude, beyond no Jody white. He's like, he's my boy. He's like, we go way back. Yes. I'm coming in studio for Jody white, but I want to go back to the morning thing. The guy sitting next to me here. Have you ever stayed? You stayed with him before. He is a probably one of the top five worst morning people I've ever been around. Even when he's in a good mood, horrible morning person, Brad. I can see that. I, yeah, I agree. I feel like probably when I stayed with you, Brad, I probably like was leaving the house before you were up just because it was Grand Lake and I knew I was going to suck. And you were there at Grand Lake and you're like, yeah, I'm going to make a top 10. This is easy. <laughs> and so I feel like uh, I didn't, I don't might not have experienced the morning you. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I made a top 10 that week. That was You uh, caught him really good day one. <laughs> yeah. That was uh that was probably the first Bassmaster Open that I had fished anything bass in many 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 years. You fished all of them that year, correct? And that was like yeah. the last one of the season and I just jumped in. Well, um, yeah. I fished that was when they were doing like the two divisions with four in each one. Yeah. And I so I fished two years of that. And then as a co-angler before that. And uh You won as a yeah. co-angler, didn't you? Yeah, at Smith Lake. That was pretty fun. <laughs> Who'd you draw on that? Um I feel really bad because I cannot remember <laughs> the guy's name on day them. one. Dude, we had a phenomenal day and it'll hit me. Uh we Is he around ran... still? Uh he definitely still fishes, but like he was younger than me. He was like 18 or 19. Like Jacob Wheeler? We <laughs> No, but dude, we like smashed him on day 1 together, but also broke down and got towed back and like there was one point where like I was crushing him and I caught my limit and I gave him my rod and he caught fish. Like it was crazy. And then day 2, I fished with Jamie Caldwell. And Ooh. I just got like extremely big bites all day. Like I didn't catch like that many fish. It just was really fortunate. And then it was over because they'd canceled the first day because of weather. Oh yeah. Interesting. That's a big win though. Anytime you can have the hardware on it. it As was, a media it guy too, to kind of legitimize yourself. Like, Hey, you know, I can catch them too and talk about them and do the photos and edit the comment. Then I sold the boat that I won and then blew all the money I made from the boat uh, fishing the opens from the front. And uh, <laughs> that went great. <laughs> I don't think that's how it's supposed to work. Yeah, you're supposed to like sell the boat and then, you know, just make a career of it like David Mullins, right? Yeah, or it yeah. turns out you're bad. <laughs> hey, before we get into like the the uh kind of behind the scenes talk i have a, a couple uh i got some mlf questions it seems to me like the 
Toyota series is absolutely rolling. Like boat numbers, the payout, the interest at that level, uh, starting out some 300 plus boat fields. Uh, but seems like that is really going well for the, the MLF side. Yeah, it really is. But I think there's like a couple of things to that. One is the championship is a really cool tournament. I mean, it's mm-hmm. 200,000 plus if you win and it's, you know, kind of at a time of year where there's not a whole lot going on and it's just a really cool tournament to be in. And then the other thing is the schedules for the divisions are generally really good schedules. You know, they you can like get victimized by weather and whatnot, but this year for the Northern Division, it was the Potomac. The fishing was awesome. It was Champlain, and we actually had over 200 boats at Champlain. We had more boats at Champlain than we did at the Potomac. Some of that was a sort of scheduling quirk because of, you know, the uh, because of the pro circuit being there and then the title. So there were a lot of guys hanging around, but you know, running over 200 boats on Champlain for us is huge. And then the last ones at the St. Lawrence out of Messina again, like I feel like the Toyota series really have really fun schedules usually. And they're not, it doesn't seem like they're quite the level of commitment that the opens are. It's a little bit easier route in, not that it's easy to do well in them. Cause if you look at any given top 10, they're stacked, but it seems like it's a it's a really good AAA option for sure. That's awesome. The other thing that I wanted to get in was, uh, and we've had pretty much every uh, every angler from west of Oklahoma that I've had on has mentioned this. As far as you do have a Western division in the Toyota Series with Havasu, Clear Lake, and the California Delta. Um, how serious? And I don't know how much you can or can't talk of this, but but talk about the importance of having and being the only major organization with a presence on the West coast and how seriously the thoughts of a pro circuit or BPT eventually actually going out West of Oklahoma are on the schedule. I mean, your smile is there. There's had to have been talks about that. So I don't do any scheduling. I had one slight foray into scheduling once and it really didn't honestly go that well and so i'm happy to not schedule things (laughs) um i know we actually i I guess a couple days ago we sent out a survey to all the western anglers who i guess it was probably everyone who fished a tournament this year to ask them where and when they wanted the three toyota series events because it's not really a secret out west we're struggling for numbers you know Mm -hmm. if you look at the field sizes it's not doing what we're doing back east um and it's the same product, but it's also not because for them, the championship is like a two day drive, like minimum. And, you know, for them to qualify to fish on the pro circuit, well, it's a dream for some guys, but for a lot of guys, it's kind of unattainable because then you have to go on the road six or seven weeks, you know, two days from your house. Um, so I think that there are definitely folks at MLF who would like to go out West. Um, there's some like pretty prominent Western pros uh, uh, who would probably love to see some tournaments out there. But I mean, I'm not the one doing the scheduling, but I think that it's kind of a big leap uh, as cool as it would be. I would, 
I would love to cover a Western swing. The Toyota series events out West and the coast is out West that I've covered. Like there's some of the coolest events, you know, Clear Lake is really awesome. Havasu is awesome. Uh, I covered one at Shasta once that was like beautiful. The weather was terrible, but it was a really cool tournament. You know, it's, I love going out there. Um, and I would, I would love us to have tournaments out there, but I think logistically and, you know, sort of from an economic standpoint, I think that the folks, I think the decision makers maybe wisely, maybe not, but I don't think it's like top of mind for us to go out there, you know, this year. (laughs) Do you like going out there, Brad? I do, but I live in Oklahoma, so I mean, for me, it's kind of the for same us, as going to the East Coast. It's the same as going to Florida. Well, it's the same ex- as no, going it's to not, Champlain. It's not at all. There's In and Out Burger out there. Oh, I'm just talking about distance, mileage wise. <laughs> I've always been for the West Coast. Um, I like it. I've actually looked at some of the regional stuff. I mean, not recently, recently, but the Apex stuff, the West uh, One yeah, Bass stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Wild West, the Toyotas. Um, yeah. I've, I've looked at all that. Thought about you know going to the West Coast and and. Uh, trying to figure out how to do that i've even you know just from us fishing out there for the u.s open i've got enough connections that i probably could get by without maybe a tournament or so i could probably even borrow a boat and do it i've got enough friends out there now but um yeah i I like that that layout out there i do interesting how many of these do you go to now this year as far as like on location coverage because sometimes it seems like i see you at the events but then other times you're not so like what is your kind of basic schedule at, at what levels, too, between, you know, BPT, Pro Circuit, Toyotas? So I think this year I'm going to, like, I will go to, like, 11 total events. Um, okay. In years past, I've gone to probably, like, as many as 15. Um, I've I've worked a couple of days of the Bass Pro Tour event at Champlain last year. But other than that, I've never worked a BPT event. I pretty much... I pretty much buckle up for all the pro circuit events. It's all the FLW tour events, you know, back in the day. And then some Toyota series stuff. And then I'll usually work like the college national championship or the BFL all American. I'll work one of those major events. And I'm definitely on the road a little bit less now than I used to be, which is nice. Cause it gives me a little more time to fish. You know, it's a little less travel time. Um, but whenever there's a Toyota series tournament, there's still like a 90% chance that I'm involved on the back end, whether it's editing photos, editing the stories, like, you know, doing that last leg of getting the stuff on the website. I got you. Fishing wise. Uh, I say this cause I got asked this a lot until I finally just jumped all in passion, hobby, professional pursuit, stress relief, where where does the tournament fishing fall in your realm of like I, I, I understand like I get I've I I understand one of the few guys who's kind of been in a position like you're in too. Where does that stand hopes and dreams versus reality versus like what's the deal with your on the water? I would so I think that at some point in time I you know, I could put it together and win a big tournament on Champlain. And I would mm-hmm. like if whenever there's a bass open next at Champlain, I'm going to be in it. Um, not saying I like feel like I should win or am that good now, but I would, I would love to do that. You know, I think like anyone, like you would love to, you would love to fish a classic. I would love to fish the all American actually, but 
I can't fish our events, so I'm not going to probably fish the All-American until like if I, after I retire or something like that. And by then I might not be any good anymore, but I really, I am like really, really content to, you know, go fish and not have any money on the line. And I also really like fishing tournaments. So it's kind of both, but I, when I was younger, I wasn't good enough and I probably didn't pursue it seriously enough to like have a career catching fish. And I'm kind of past trying to pursue a career catching fish now. You know, I'm totally happy to fish locally, you know, try and catch fish around the house, not drive crazy distances, and uh, just have a really fun time. He's smarter than me. Well, he sounds like you used to sound. You used to say some of the same things. <clears throat> yeah. But here, here's my deal, and I think, I think, Jody, I think you get this because you're you're smart and you respect you understand how hard it is that these guys work like when you're out there covering and you're you're doing it like they those are the guy it, it it's amazing like those guys have been there they've done it they've made it they've put the dues in and you have to be all in on covering them because that that's right that's the right thing to do not focus on what you've done but provide the best coverage for them and highlight those anglers because like i said they put their dues in and they've done it and that's what they deserve Oh yeah. Like the, uh, I, I, I work pretty hard when I'm at a tournament. Um, mm -hmm. because it's, you know, you have guys who put up like thousands of dollars to try to fish these things and you know, they're a customer and that's, that's what's due. You know, I, I don't feel like, I, I don't feel like you can slack off on that at all. You know, yeah. I like my number one thing is that I spend too much time on the water. And so, I come back and I'm late for weigh-in or not late for weigh-in, but I come back and I'm eating like a granola bar before weigh-in to get the photos up. And really I should have come in earlier and like got the on the water gallery up, but I wanted to like, you know, drive 10 more miles to one more guy, you know, <laughs> get, get one more Brad. Uh, Jody talked about wanting to make the all American. I missed the all American by, I think a, 11 ounces in 2013 it was i've talked about this one before is the one yeah. that castledine fished yeah. where he looked at me in the bag line and he goes if your co-angler's catching a limit behind you you're doing it wrong and then turned <laughs> around and wouldn't speak to me the rest of the time anyway long story short uh you have what <laughs> that's the truth that's, that's what he a, did that was the first thing todd uh, castledine ever said to me sounds just like it. i just said something like yeah my co-angler's got Got a good bag, and he made the All-American. I actually just saw that co-angler that I fished with at a concert at the at, or at, at a concert at track five a couple weeks ago. <laughs> he was there with this girlfriend, and he came up to me, and he's like, "You're," I said, "You're the guy who kicked my butt out of the back in the regional to go to the All-American," and he's like, "That's me." You could tell his girlfriend was like, "Dude, yeah," and then he's won a BFL since then. But anyway, long story short, you have fished in the All-American. I, I wanted to make it too, like Joe did, but you have fished in the All-American. You have top 20 in the All-American. Now, I know the All-American is different than it used to be, but when you fished it, it was in its prime, 2010. Yeah. What, what was the All-American like for you in your career in 2010? Because when you made it, you'd already been on the Elite Series. Um, it was something that I went back and did. I backdoored it because um, it was a piece of – like just like you two guys, you know, it's it was a big deal, and it was something that I wanted on my resume. And uh, anyway, I went back. It was it was a big deal, and it was great. You know, that was back when they still supplied boats. Um, do they still do that, Jody? They still supply boats for? I didn't think so. No, 
so they brought all the brand new i think that was ranger at the time obviously and uh everybody had a new ranger sitting out in the parking lot and you good yeah it was uh yeah my eye just keeps watering okay. um they uh it, it was a really cool event it was it was over in arkansas it wasn't far away from home it was back when the hot springs area was going off and there was uh there was some bushes in the water in that place so it was an all right tournament uh, i'm trying to think of who won um this guy I fished with an flw forever it was uh the one that uh I don't know why. I feel terrible about forgetting his name. Probably Jeff Coble. He won a lot no, of them no, around no, then. No. <laughs> Coble had already won way before. Troy then. Morrow. Troy, Troy Morrow. Yeah, it's the one Troy won. You know what's amazing is on the uh, MLF website, when you click on a tournament, it doesn't say uh, link not active. It actually pulls up who actually did well in that tournament. <laughs> really? Uh, it drives me nuts on the Bassmaster website. Like, they did a great job, Crit. They do a great job over there, rutted it, but they don't have the links yet mm-hmm. to where when you click on the tournament, it just says, like, link not found or link not active so you have to like you have to go back anyway but i like on mlf while we're complaining about uh websites while i am can we get some bpt stats on the website jody boy wouldn't that be great it would be amazing if i could if i could click under edwin evers and it would tell me since 2019 what he's done on the bpt it's six tournaments a year plus the majors and a championship if you can put all American results from 2010 up there. Why can we not get some BPT angler results in there? It makes my job easier, puts everything in perspective. It would make my job easier too. This morning, I had to go back through all of the individual BPT events this year to make sure that a stat we were using for Dakota Eber for the top 10 pattern story for the title was right because he's made like six in a row. Well, five in a row or something oh something and he's had like i think f- either four or five top three finishes across the toyota series bass for tour and pro circuit this year without winning and mm-hmm. it's uh amazing but anyway instead of being able to like click a nice little you know tab on his profile i had to go to, to go the results from every tournament <laughs> It's got to be um, some sort of coding deal or some sort of way that they use it where they can't add it, but it drives me nuts. And then I also used to like that you could take their bass earnings and combine them with their FLW or, or Major League Fishing earnings at the time, but then when all those guys switched from bass, they just took their earnings from bass and plastered it on their on their new profile. So now you have no idea how much a guy has won because you've got their bass earnings intermingled with their MLF earnings or and their FLW earnings back in the day. So when you have like an independent media source like me that's trying to put into perspective how much a guy has won, yeah. you can't tell yeah. because some of that money that's on the MLF website is based on bass. That's that's an issue that maybe affects three people on earth and I'm one of them, so we can move on from that. Well, and it's uh it, it's weird cuz like Kyle Cordiano's winnings are updated, right? If you go to his profile He's made two hundred and fifty-five thousand and change, you know, with MLF and FLW. If you go to Dakota's profile, because he's on the Bass Pro Tour, his winnings are almost certainly not updated because we still have to do those manually. There's like a there's some sort of divide on the back end between the Bass Pro Tour stats and you know regular four day, five fish stats. And I would love for whoever it's not my job, thankfully, but I would love for us to be able to get that to work together. Uh, but I'm not really sure when that's going to happen, <laughs> but man, it'd make my life easier. 
All right, we're going to take a break, first break of the show. When we come back, I want you and Bradley to get into uh, – well, I want Bradley to, to, to get into – he was super fired up when he found out you were on, and he's like, dude, we go way back even before tournaments. So uh, we're going to get into that, maybe some of the good stories that you guys have. So uh, BTL, I have to click it because the days just roll by. On a Wednesday, August 24th. <laughs> What? You have, to, you have to click it to see what day it is. I was, dude. I'm, I, I didn't even realize I was stressed out. So it was my uncle's 70th birthday yesterday. So I like recorded a little deal for him. That's awesome. And then I like watched it back and I was like, I look stressed out and tired in that video. But I feel, I feel spry. Spry. I feel spry. But anyway, it is Wednesday, August 24th. Jody White with Brad Hallman in studio. We'll be back right after this your key to better fishing this season is elite fs now available at a new lower price get elite fs9 today for 9.99 and we'll throw in a cmap reveal chart our premium mapping solution for free elite fs works with all state-of-the-art lorenz sonar from chirp side scan and down scan imaging with fish reveal to high resolution active target live sonar elite fs9 and cmap reveal offer ends august 31st The new Puma STS has been redesigned from the ground up. With the angler, design, function, and performance in mind, nothing on this new offering was compromised, and the only thing carried over from the previous version is the name. Based on the soft touch series hull that started with the flagship Jaguar, this new model is nimble and performs incredibly well at all speeds with either a 250 or 300 horsepower engine. Featuring a new 96 inch wide body footprint, this hull measures out at 20 foot 7 inches in length. Industry-leading design coupled with tournament-winning performance. The Puma STS from Basscat. Feel the rush. We're just about ready to go, ladies and gentlemen. Get in order. Once again, Drew Cook is in the driver's seat. When you're catching fish for a living, you can't let a little cold, rain, heat, humidity, or anything else get in the way of a payday. I wear APCO. Any fish, any water. The KVD 100 Jerkbait. 15 different colors. A perfect combination of roll, wiggle, and flash. Increased castability. 3D eyes. Premium black nickel hooks. KVD. Tie one on. Striking lures. Are you looking to install your own fishing electronics? Well, the Bass Tank is here to help you. The solution is the Bass Tank Power Harness. It takes the guesswork out of installation. No more voltage issues or interference. Designed by an engineer so that you can get professional results right there in your own garage. Installation done right with the help of the Bass Tank Power Harness. You can feel confident knowing that your installation was done right. The Bass Tank Power Harness. Give us a call or order yours today at thebasstank.com. Elite Series Pro Daryl Gleason here. My Pro Guide batteries keep me going on those long tournament days and long practice days. Always plenty of juice, never fail. The best part about Pro Guide batteries, it's the people behind the company. They have over 40 years experience in the battery business, keeping all of us fishermen out on the water longer, catching more fish. Check them out at ProGuideBatteries.com. What's up, Bass Talk Live fans? Brandon Polinick here. 
And ever since I won a couple Bassmaster Elite Series events on X-Zone Lures, I've been getting a bunch of questions of what makes them so special and different. And really, the truth is, it's in the details. The little details, things like no cheap fillers in their plastic, that gives you more lifelike action, more realistic and vibrant colors. But don't just take my word for it. Go to www.xzonelures.com and check them out for yourself. Back live Wednesday, BTO. Jody White, MLF, and Bassmaster Opens Angler, Bradley Hallman, two-time FLW Tour champion and Costa Series champion. You know you're getting old when everything you've won is no longer called the same thing? That's how I did it. Like it's not that you're getting old. It's been it's that it's been a while since you have won. It's the same thing. Like every hockey team I played for growing up, no longer exists anymore. In fact, several of the leagues I played in no longer exist anymore. (laughs) That's actually where Jody and I met the first time. I believe was the first coastal win. I believe. Does that sound right, Jody? Is that kind of the first time we was that the spook on Grand in the rain and the long net? over the docks in the rain. Yeah, that was that yeah. was the one for sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That was that was a special day because um that was a home pond uh leading going into the last day. Definitely didn't want to let that go. Hell of a top 10. I mean, stacked. Matt Airy, Jason Christie, uh Dustin uh, uh why did I go blank? I'm about to have it here. Dude, it was, oh, I got it was it. loaded. Holy cow. What, yeah, read that Yeah, up. like it was nuts. Watson, uh, listen Dodson. to this. This is Watson, Dotson. No, we'll start from the bottom. Brandon Perkins, Dylan Hayes, Jeremy Lawyer, James Watson, Robbie Dotson, Jason Christie, Todd Castledine, Matt Airy, Jonathan Henry, and you beat a, you won that by five pounds? Yeah. I did not know that you won that by five pounds. It was the last day, and Jody was with me. That's what's cool. Holy if you God, watched him that last day, you would have thought he won by 20 pounds. <laughs> it was epic. <laughs> yeah. We uh, we started on some docks, did a little dock deal, and caught them, and it was pouring down rain. This was an epic sight fishing event is what this was. Everyone there in the top ten had been looking at them all week. Grand Lake was clearer than it had ever been. Doesn't look like that now. What year is that? Oh, 15 was the zebra mussel year. Zebra mussels. And uh, the big ones were up there. Anyway, pours down rain, right, Jody? Jody's with me. So th- I'm, this is where I'm going to go down this rabbit hole with Jody with you in a minute. Is Anyway, he, he, was, uh, he was with the camera boat that was with me and pouring down rain. And you can't look at them anymore. And I had no clue what to do. And I picked up a spook. And it was like, it was like nobody had been on the lake for two years, wasn't it, Jody? I mean, it was just unreal like you know sometimes they eat a spook and they don't really hit it that hard and sometimes it was like every fish was out to just like they had never seen that bait before and also they hated it yeah it was incredible yeah yeah i was like "Eh, i don't think i need to sight fish anymore (laughs) it could keep raining but anyway i think i think you went like 30 yards with the spook like you sight fish behind the docks you kind of went around the corner a little bit you picked up the spook and you caught like a three and three quarter or a four and like I don't know, 10 minutes maybe. Yeah. Yeah. It, oh, it was beautiful. <laughs> yeah. And then you got the shot of the giant. You remember that? Like, I was like, dude, there's been a big one over there on a bed for like a week and I can't get her to go. 
just get up there on that dock. And I went back there with that. But yeah, that one right there. That's so, actually Jody yeah. Shaw. Photo by Jody White, oh, like, Angler, she... Bradley Hallman. I pulled it up. Look at it. It's pouring down rain. Yeah. Mega boil. Yeah, that's Jody's work. Um, Here's so this is what he, this top. is what Jody does, right? This is what you do all the time. I mean, you just did this at the championship, correct? At, yep. the, at the title event, and and you've been doing this now for nine years, following guys every every Pretty every much. tournament. Yeah, that's all Jody shots too. Um, so Pangrack also just like you. So I, I, this is the rabbit hole I want to go down with you real quick. Talking about fishing and an experience, and and your tournament fishing and Matt's tournament fishing. Um, before Bass Talk Live, uh, Mark Jeffries had the Bass Zone, right? The website, the Bass Zone. And, um, Mark was always really good at being one of the first originators. His ideas were, were original. And he sent Pangrack out on the water with Harold Allen, a legend of the sport who had retired. And they did the same thing that you, you do every day, right? But you do it working for MLF, FLW. Matt did it working for an independent media agency being Bass Zone. But anyway, point being is that Matt did it for how many years did you and Harold and did you do the follow boat deal on the Elite Series? My first my first event ever by myself was the I think the two thousand and eight uh FLW event on in Detroit. And Jeffrey sent me there and misbooked the room. So I was like 23 in Detroit with no room. <laughs> Not a good thing. It was chaos. But uh, I went to every single Elite Series from the second half of the 2008 season through the 2018 season. Okay. So how many years is that? 11 years. Okay. Plus every, you know, Forest Wood Cup, two or three FLWs a year. Right. Every classic Angler right. of the Year deal. And Jody's done it now for nine years, and he's done it with the Toyotas, the Costas, and he's done it on the FLW Tour, the MLF, Tackle Warehouse, Pro Circuit. I always struggle with the names because I'm getting old. Um, point being is that you guys you guys have an education. You have literally – and, Jody, you do the same thing that Matt did. You, you make phone calls. You do, you do pregame interviews. You hear, you know, what are the patterns that, that the guys think they're going to catch on a lake. And then you go back home and you break all that media down and you put it out for everything. So – like you're really into it, just like Matt was, and you have to be right. That's your gig, but it's more than just that for y'all. Y'all are like really interested in the intricate details of the patterns and what's going on. And then you guys kind of sit around. And I know you've you've recently lost your little compadre with Kyle, who took a job at Rapala Rapala. You're from Vermont. You probably pronounce it Rapala. So I'm a Rapala guy. In ah. Kyle's honor, I have decided to start pronouncing it correctly. Yeah, it's Rapala. Rapala. It's Laurie Rapala. <laughs> Okay, so but, I don't, don't I don't want to get off I don't want to get off this story too much cuz this is a really good one. Um you two guys and this is what I tell Matt and I've never thought about this or maybe maybe we did talk about this at some point Jody but you two guys have had an education following the very best in the world on their very best days when they are dialed in as dialed in as you can get in in this sport and you've watched them and you've seen it progress from practice with all the doc talk and the things that are going on and all the things that are said and then you have been able to follow them not not watching them on live i mean literally 
watching them boat to boat, taking pictures, interviewing them in the morning, interviewing them in the evening, talking to them during the day to see how things are going. Um, you see their emotional roller coasters. So, like, you witness everything. You you two are – I can't think of anybody else in the entire country. Rob that Newell. I, Rob Newell, possibly. Yeah. But you guys have an experience and an education to learn and build off of. I mean, it has to make you a better bass fisherman. There's no way that it can't. I mean, you've seen so many things. Does that make sense what I'm saying? Dude, nobody's oh, had oh, what yeah. you two have had at y'all's ages. I mean, it's it's a hell of a learning tool. I mean, the thing is, if I could, like, synthesize all that into making me, like, definitely making me a better fisherman, I mean, I'd be, like, way better than I am at fishing right now. There's a, you know, there's that extra, there, I guess maybe sixth sense or whatever, but, like, there's a level of being good at fishing that the best are that I'm not. That said, I have seen, like, some incredible things. <laughs> you have. You have to have seen, I mean, just like Matt, I mean, you guys have watched the pinnacle of the sport at their finest hour when it all comes together. Um, and also with that, you've seen the pinnacle of the sport in their final hour when it doesn't come together. You know, you, you've both witnessed that, you know, because you're, you're picking a horse in the race that morning at takeoff. That's who you go follow and it doesn't pan out. You, you see that as well. Um, so you guys have seen both sides of it. it, it okay. I don't know if I've ever really gone gone down this rabbit hole. Because fishing is unique. Do you agree with this, Jody, in that there is no... Like, you're an analyst for any other stick and ball sport. Like, it's pretty obvious that the reason you're not out there is because you don't have the physical ability to be out there. Fishing is different, right? Because, like I said, the, the, the physical ability has little to do with it. I just mentioned, you got a Rick Clun, you've got a guy guys who are 18. 18 to 74. Four, right that's crazy to be competing at the top level of the sport so what it comes down to is is decision making and what you do under pressure now you can watch as many of the different guys do what they want know how they're supposed to do it and things but the only way i think you can get good and the reason those guys are good is because they know how to handle their decision-making, their pressure, they know their strengths, they know how to manage the moment and succeed in it. And that's something that you can never learn by watching it. You have to live it. So for me, it doesn't matter that I know it, that I've watched Brett Height throw a chatterbait for days and Dean Rojas frog for days and KVD throw a 6XD on ledges for days. Because you get to a point where, yeah, you can all throw it, but it's the decision-making and how you handle that moment in your head. And you can't learn that by watching anybody. Yeah. You have to experience that. You have, have been with me as I have worked through that process. What do you think, Jody? I mean, <clears throat> I don't know. I think that if you could just watch fishing and learn how to fish better, and, and learn how to fish better, significantly better. I think that we would have a lot more people who are a lot better at fishing just because look at how much live you can watch. And yeah. I don't think that live is live is probably really good in a different way than what I get because, you know, the final day of the title, 
I literally, I watch Bobby Lane and Kurt Mitchell fish all day long. And, you know, they were catching a lot of smallmouth and it was cool. But if you were on live, if you were watching live, you know, you watched Spencer Shuffield fish all day. You watched Dakota Ebert lose two five pounders. You watched Kurt Mitchell, you know, start catching his fish in the rain. You watched Jacob Wall, you know, catch a five pounder late in the day. Like you watch the whole spectrum and, you know, it's probably like an equal way to learn. I think where I, I think where I learn the most, like from my job is not like just how to win tournaments or something like that. It's, it's sort of, it's smaller things, you know, like I'll gain confidence in a lure cause I'll see someone throw it. I'll talk to them later, you know, and all of a sudden maybe I'm throwing a glide bait better than I used to, or I'll, you know, see something in action and start throwing a different hook for a drop shot or yeah. something like that. Yeah. yeah. And I, I think that there's so many variables in fishing and, you know, even on a like spectacular final day or something, you can't just go replicate that because it's not going to be the same the next day, but you can take little bits and pieces and, you know, mm-hmm. pick it together mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. and then still find a way to make stupid mistakes. Cause you know, you're fishing. The other thing that I that I've learned is oftentimes <clears throat> guys who are consistently successful do something different. Think of uh, Brian Thrift, David Dudley, and Andy Morgan. They they do things that not everyone else is doing in the same way, right? Like Andy with the short string thrift, with the way he fishes, the way his pattern is set up. Yeah. Dudley with the spinning rod and that type of thing. You can go over on the bass side. Obviously, the number one A example would be Amart. Uh, and the more you cover it, yeah, there are some that are that are by the book textbook. This is how it was supposed to be won, and this guy just outfished everyone at it. But the more you cover the winners and consistently, you realize that they have their own thing that they have been able to adapt and fish with with confidence. So, as I've watched, one thing I've realized is it. Like I love what Jody said about you pick up little things, but I real I realize the guys who are consistently winning are doing something different. So it makes no sense to be able to try to mimic them or or copy a certain guy. The more I watch and cover, the more I realize you have to be super confident in something that you're really good at and make it your own. Yes. Otherwise, you're just you're just another guy that's hoping your lottery number is called every week. Right. Right. I, I agree. I, I just wanted to go down that rabbit hole because when you really look at it that way, and maybe maybe I'm looking at it as a way to learn, right? Maybe a little bit jealous of the deal. You guys have had the opportunity that that no one else really has. Um, you guys have experienced and seen things that other guys haven't seen. Nobody. But if two. it worked like that, we would like literally top 10 every tournament we fished in. It, it's not that. I think it's almost unfair to just assume that because we've I, I, seen I'm so not, much not, and been I, around it that it would automatically translate over to the on-the-water fishing thing. Like well, I, I, I'm not saying that watching that automatically makes both of y'all Jacob Wheeler. What clearly. Saying, it, it, <laughs> it, it's, just, it's just a cool thought. You know, I mean, it's yeah. just something that I thought about through the years with Matt, and I honestly had never thought about it with you, Jody, and I don't know why. Until we were, you know, we had you on, and I was like, oh, I got to go down this rabbit hole. Because I've been down it quite a few times with Matt, because I like, you know, quiz him about, you know, 10 years ago when you were following so and so. Like, what are they doing different? Like, what did you notice? And, um, 
anyway, but but it's the things that he just talked about. You know, it's it's confidence in making things their own. I think it would be interesting to see, uh, like if you had Matt Becker or Brian Thrift follow, you know, do what I do for a year and like see what they take away because I am I really believe that you know the folks who are just top, top level of fishing, their minds work yes. differently for fishing yes. than mine yeah. does. Yeah. And, you know, they'll figure out either a different intricacy or they'll, they'll figure out more stuff and make better decisions along the way. But, you know, I, I think that the reason that I do this is because I'm good at, you know, I'm good at tournament coverage. I'm good at taking a photo. Uh, if, I was good enough at fishing to, you know, fish for a living. I think that like there's a chance I could synthesize a lot more of what I see and like actually make it work for me. Well, I also think that the more that, you know, so like, let's say that you put, you know, um, one of those uh, Becker, for example, and you put him in your position, he's already so far up the food chain with his knowledge and experience, he's going to pick up on things that you might not just see right off the bat. And it may be little things like just focusing on the guy's mental game. Like he's, it's 11 o'clock. He didn't have a keeper and he's been leading for two days. And like, I can see it in his body language and then kind of see how he deals with that. Or maybe, maybe you and Matt were too worried about, Hey, I got to get these pictures uploaded by 1130. And am I going to have time to go in and do this? And can I stop and shoot Watson on my way in or not? And so maybe that's not as much on your, radar right while you while you guys are out there doing your job um i don't know it was just a cool thought maybe nobody else is interested in it but i I just i know that you two have seen and and experienced lots and lots of things um i know the times that i've had some success you've been with me i was thinking roller coaster i I remember okeechobee on day two and i was leading after day one and it was 11 didn't have to weigh in on the final day of that tournament if i recall 11 o'clock day two i don't have a fish and um, you'd been with me for quite a while that morning and we're floating out off that reed head. And I remember the first big one that bit and you took the picture and I was like this, I was like, yes, they're going to bite <laughs> because I had been around and around and around. I had just moved and I'd gotten up and I'd, I'd passed James Watson fishing and he was like, any good? And I was like, it sucks. It sucks. And I keep running, you know, and I pull up on that one head and you pulled up with me and I caught that first big one. And I was like, God, thank the Lord they're going to bite. So but, uh, yeah, I mean, there's struggles out there. You guys see them uh, every day up and down. And of course, we get to watch it on live, too. But I just wanted to go down that rabbit hole with you because that was that was cool. Hey, can we double rabbit hole here? So you went that, that tournament is a prime example of why I absolutely despise zeroing the weights in the pro circuit. Like, I understand the BPT, totally different, right. different animal, like right. totally out of the equation. But I'm talking about that final day. So, Brad, you go 25-25. 14-6. You had 71-2. Alex Davis finishes finishes in second with 56-4. Yeah. But you would not have, oh, no. have won that that uh that tournament at all. You would not have won that tournament. Actually, uh I believe, yeah, Chris uh Johnston would have won that tournament. Yeah. Uh had the weights been or no, had the weights been zeroed after day two. But on the final day, you would have finished like sixth, fifth, sixth, something like that. Yeah. On that. Yeah. Are you even allowed to talk about that, Jody? Or is that something where you just just smile and say, that's an interesting theory, Matt? I'm 
I'm not really a zeroed weights guy. I, I'm a I'm a four day guy. If I you know yeah. had to pick, yeah. um, I think I think which I think are. everyone I think everyone knows that about me. Um, yeah, I, I think most of us are. I, I think even some of the guys that end up making that rule are still four day guys, and they get it. But you know, it's done for to make an equal playing field on the last day to bring more drama to the cameras. You have a lot of blowout wins. Yeah. I didn't um, realize that. Like you have you that know. that one at Okeechobee. I mean, six pounds doesn't sound like much, but Jody remembers, dude. That thing had been blown out. It was done. History. I mean, there was nobody yeah. weighing in anything. And I honestly, I had the bites that day to have another like close to twenty pounds. I had hooked up on the end of my line. It just didn't happen for me that day. Well, your day. trolling motor was broken. Yeah, that was part of that. Kind of hurts a guy too when you don't have. You know, you motor. weren't able. Like there were multiple ones where I think you could have had a shot to go into the reeds and get them, and you had to pu- try to pull them out instead, right? Yes, that's what happened. Yeah. What's your biggest bag? But also, it was like 40 degrees and blowing. It was horrible weather for Okeechobee. What's your biggest bag of smallmouth? I do not know. I have no clue. It's not very big. I've never weighed. I don't think I've had it. Yeah, I probably have. We have a bad attitude on smallmouth fisheries. I've had some 20-pound bags, (laughs) but it's been in places like, you know, St. Clair. You have had a 20-pound bag of smallmouth, though? That you've cra- weighed in? Yeah. So I'm sure I have St. Clair because, like, you can weigh in 20 there and still finish 50th. Because I'm saying you've got a 2311 spot, yeah. bag of spots, yeah. and you've weighed in a 27 pound bag of largemouth. Yeah. Hey, that's actually um, my favorite uh, picture of all time, Jody, that I have. So, like, you know, go when you go through fishing, you know, when you're done with life or whatever and you look back, not that I'm done, but as of right now, my favorite picture that I have, you're in it. The Lanier you know, day one? Yes. Yes. Dude, because that was so I, awesome. <laughs> yeah. I, I was already thinking about it. Like when I got up there, I was like, I have no idea what this weighs, but if it weighs what I think it weighs when I get done, like I want the five fish picture. I wish we would have done that on stage. I don't I don't yeah. know why. That that was that was incredible, you know, that a bag of spots like that. But yeah, you're in it. Talk about that tournament for another another uh couple minutes. Because I'm trying to find that photo. It's not. I was just looking. It's not on his profile. So you're going to have to dig a little more. I'm at the Lake Lanier Day One weigh-in. I think it's. I think it is on my Facebook account. It may. Is it on the Day One weigh-in? It. I bet it is. Or it's on one of the stories. But, dude, that tournament was all of the fish, right? Yeah, it was all fish. And I I wanted when I went across. I told Bill Taylor. I said, if this this weighs what I want it to weigh, I want a picture with me, you, and Jody White. It's not there. All five up. Yeah, it's not there. Yeah, it's like uh, it, it was. That tournament was awesome. I have, I don't know. I guess we haven't had a tournament at Lanier since then uh, that I've worked. You know, definitely not that time of year. I would love to go back that time of year to Lanier because that was like one of the coolest tournaments that we've had. Yeah, they yeah. were chewing. Um, it was early in the year, and there was a lot of big fish being caught. A lot. All right, we're gonna take our final break of the show. When we come back, I have absolutely no clue what we're going to talk about. I've got one more thing. We'll go down with Joe. Okay. I kind of do. I kind of want to go into a little bit of his crystal ball. Yeah, sounds good. Into the future. All right. BTL on a Wednesday. MLF Jody White, Brad Holman in studio. We'll be back right after this. Elite Series Pro, Daryl Gleason here. My Pro Guide batteries keep me going on those long tournament days and long practice days. Always plenty of juice. Never fail. The best part about Pro Guide batteries, it's the people behind the company. They have over 40 years experience in the battery business, keeping all of us fishermen out on the water longer, catching more fish. Check them out at ProGuideBatteries.com. 
Vibrating jigs are a great choice for any time of year, and the Kamikaze Swim On is a perfect match for any vibrating jig. Two sizes and the unique tail design gives it a bait fish profile and a great swimming action for realism. There are 17 colors. See them all at BigBiteBaits.com. The Spro Little John crankbait has been around for almost 15 years, and it is one of my go-to crankbaits whenever I need a fish in the boat, so you can never have enough new colors. That's why Spro's coming out with a handful of new colors, including Pearl Shad, which has this bleached out white look, but it's got this pearlescent, really, really pretty. We've got Copper Shad, which looks amazing in the water. It's got that purple flake on the back, really, really pops in the water. And then if you want some real pop, we've got Sparkle Shad, nothing but sparkles all over this thing. And then last but not least, we've got the matte sexy shad just a really different looking color for a crankbait so you want to give them a little different look that matte sexy shad is definitely the one to go with all these colors are available in the original little john and the md combining one of the most popular hook styles with gamakatsu's beefier superline offering the gamakatsu superline offset round bend delivers the strength necessary to target big fish in heavy cover. Well suited for braided line and heavier fluorocarbon, the Gamakatsu Superline Offset Round Bed is built using stronger Superline wire that allows anglers to easily fish a finesse worm around heavy cover. The Round Bend offers a larger bite area, perfect for any worm presentation, while increasing your hookup ratios. The newly enhanced Z-Bend holds your plastics on the hook longer, reducing the number of pull-offs and reducing damage to plastics. Available in 2-aught, 3-aught, 4-aught, and 5-aught, this is the most durable worm hook designed for heavier lines that hold your bait on longer. Preparation is key to success. And that preparation starts well before you ever hit the water. You're only as strong as your connection to the fish, and your line is that critical connection. Confidence in your line every minute, every day on the water, is a necessity, and failure, it's not an option. Sunline makes the fluorocarbon, nylon, and braided lines to give you the strength to guarantee your confidence. Have you considered purchasing new electronics for your rig? The type of mounts you choose to protect your investment should be part of the decision-making process. No matter if you prefer one, two, or three graphs up front, Beatdown Outdoors has a solution for you. Adjustable, versatile, rigid, and made in the USA. What's your ultimate electronic setup? Check out the full selection of Beatdown Outdoors products by visiting beatdownoutdoors.com. We're back. BTL on a Wednesday, Hallman exploring, uh, exploring the many artifacts in the back of the studio. In the back of the studio. Uh, there's a broken Wesley Strader cull tag. There's a Greg Hackney frog. Three hook spooks, Oki hey. bug spinner baits, bunch of his bowling ball stuff. Hang on, I didn't even know this one existed. Which one? Oh, yeah. Do you remember this, Jody? Oh, so he's like, what is that? Uh, that's the Ike, I really Iked can't. Up Energy Drink. Get Iked Up. Didn't even know this existed. You seen this before, Jody? Is there like a little spiel on there about how you'll fish like Ike if you or Yeah, it says never give up. Get Iked up. Is uh, there there's not a little inspirational There's no fishing knowledge on this can, no. There's let me see that can. 
There's got to be maybe some it sort comes of with like ins- a waypoint, like under a cap or something. Oh, oh, I see now. Yes. Is there? Yeah, you Read give one hundred and ten percent, and everything that you do, shouldn't your energy drink do the same? So that's your inspiration. That's pretty short. Brian the Carpenter must have written that. <laughs> Just call it good. <laughs> I like it. Short and sweet. <laughs> Iked up. Don't open it. That's like the only unopened can left in existence. I'm sure it is. I yeah. used to drink them and, uh, back when they were made, and I thought, well, there's an endless supply of these. Surely this is the next Red Bull. And uh, they, <laughs> what are you laughing at? And they tasted uh, remarkably similar to Skittles. So you could drink them on the water, and then you could mix them with, like, Tito's off the water. And you could just stay iked up 24-7. Tito's. <laughs> it, was, it was an amazing mixed drink. So also while I was back in the studio looking at artifacts, I actually found the crystal ball that you said. We that. used to use that crystal ball, but it no longer works. It no longer works. I think it's stuck on chances are zero. Really? With pretty much anything. <laughs> nice. It just realized it was a fishing industry crystal ball. <laughs> You said that you were going to go down the crystal ball in this next segment. Yeah, all right. Uh, so you've been doing this a long time, Jody. Now you you're uh, nineteen, twenty, twenty, twenty. We're almost we're almost half a decade into the new new era of uh, of MLF, which is hard to believe. Hard to believe it's been almost five years. I mean, it was announced in, in eighteen. It started in nineteen, nineteen, twenty, twenty one. We're ending the fourth year here. Where do you see? Where do you see things going in the next five years? Do you see college fishing getting bigger, high school fishing getting reformatted, uh, the BPT expanding? Where does the team series go that they just came out with that's going to be on TV? Is there stuff that's going to happen that we haven't even thought of? Where is the next five years for MLF as an organization? Well, you're definitely asking the wrong guy. Um I'm asking your, your just, opinion. <laughs> I'll just but you be have there to do with political correct. Whatever. Um, but, dude, I actually, the team series is kind of interesting. I would like to, I think it would be cool if we could run big time team in tournaments. Um, just because I like a team derby. Um, but I, I don't know. I don't have, I, I'm not good at predicting stuff because I always, either I predict like something obvious and, it's you know sort of right because everyone knew it was going to be sort of right or i just predict what i want to see happen and then you know sometimes it does but a lot of times it doesn't um i don't know it seems like we're like clicking along pretty good right now you know it feels like there's a lot of people fishing the tournaments there's a pretty good number of people watching them i am not saying there won't be stuff that changes because i'm sure like somebody has a better idea, but I could kind of just see it being like all pretty good and pretty the same um, as uh, kind of lame as of an answer. That is <laughs> um, what's next on the live front. What is there with live that we haven't seen yet? What are the, uh, what are the possibilities of the next big advancement in live in your opinion? Um. Peyote, who used to do, you know, the FLW live stuff back in the day, mm-hmm. uh, he thought that underwater drones were 
the next big thing. Um, Say that again. He thought that underwater drones would be the thing uh, where we'd have like live footage watching the fish bite. Um, seems like that would kind of interfere with the fishing a little bit too much. <laughs> like, I don't know it. if you can just drive a little remote control submarine under a dock and like, you know, let Brian Thrift skip up there. But I, I don't know. I mean, it's uh, it's pretty good like it is. And you can't really add more cameras and you don't really need more cameras. Um, that I can think of, I, 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 I would say maybe just more of it. I would love to see like the final day of the Toyota series championship live or like to reform or to change that format a little and like maybe go kind of old FLW tour style where you have like three days with co-anglers and then the final day you drop co-anglers and you put 10 cameras in the boat and you watch, you know, some pros and some locals and some, you know, you know, guys from wherever fish for 200 grand. I think that could be fun, but I don't have a new way to do live. All right. Jason Mitchell just said cameras dedicated to live scope. We'll just go ahead and say forward facing sonar technology needs to happen. That would help with the small mouth tournaments with any yeah. tournament. That would be great. It would be, I'm not saying it would be impossible to do, but you know, like as well as I do, like trying to record, uh, Live scope is difficult, uh, depending on the graph you've got. Uh, yeah, but with Lawrence, can't you do like a? It's you, yeah, Lawrence is no, easy. Yeah. You could do Hummingbird is do like almost impossible to uh, record. Jason, I like that comment. I agree with that. Uh, there are some of the YouTube guys that have figured out how to do the two cameras and then they put it and then you can watch yeah. it. And I think that would be fantastic and actually add a new level of excitement to the forward facing sonar. Uh, tournaments right that mm -hmm. guys are now saying hey they're just looking at a screen yeah but if you could see the fish and inter watch him interact with it i think that would bring a level of excitement so jason uh you won the secret contest which is best uh which is best comment of the day the bass tank screen cleaner is yours send an email to questions at the com and get some of this lovely new screen cleaner that also seconds for a very nice aftershave it is. It smells great. Uh, like I said, the best way that I can promote it is it cleans your screens good. I can't even. <laughs> it's, it's, screen, it's screen cleaner. I had a conversation with John. I was like, I don't really know how to like how to go overboard with the screen cleaner. It just it cleans your screens. It's also like that. Uh, but it comes with a microfiber cloth, two ounces, sixteen ounce bottle. So send your information. Questions at thebasstank.com for that idea of split screen with the forward facing technology. Continue, yeah, Jody. Sorry, I wanted to oh, just so throw that. Oh, so I was going to say I I don't watch like a ton of fishing cuz usually when I get done, I can't really watch fishing when I work cuz then I don't do any work. And but when I do watch stuff on YouTube, I watch a fair amount of ice fishing stuff and almost all of that has live scope really really well incorporated into the video and it makes it like a hundred times better like if i start watching an ice fishing video and there's not live scope I, well or not you know whatever your favorite brand of in that case it's not forward sonar it's down sonar but if it's not there i'm like click i'm gone and i know that like there are a lot of people that think that watching live fishing 
when it's a live scope tournament is boring. And I would be, yeah, like that would be incredible to do. It would be tricky, but it also, if you dedicated the resources to it, you could probably do it like pretty well, not perfectly, but you could probably do it pretty well without it being too hard. And then if, you know, different electronics manufacturers would like help you out. That's you what could I was thinking. Do it yeah. great. Yeah, that's what I was. <laughs> but I don't know if it like, help you out. That's exactly what I was thinking. If they'd give us a little plug there to uh, plug into a yeah. camera, it would be nice. Speaking of cameras, anyway, uh, <laughs> the old the old love camera. Old, see your naughty neighbor live camera back <laughs> back on. I thought we'd had that handled for the last week, but. It is what it is. Clay, send uh, send your info. Uh, not send. I will make a call to the Bass Tank uh, after this to make sure Clay was the original winner of the Bass Tank screen cleaner a couple weeks ago. I don't know what their turnaround time is over there. All I know is it's got to be faster than my turnaround time, so it's an upgrade. Jody, you've always done a good job over there, really good, and uh, you're a hustler. I'm going to tell a little story on you. Um, I hope you don't get mad at me about this. When we were at uh, when we were at Grand, I guess that was 2019 or so, 2020, 2019, it was right, it was in the fall, and it was right when the announcement came out that MLF had purchased FLW, right? And everything, I mean, it was like right when it came out. It was and, like all anyone was talking about at that tournament. Yes, yeah. And, you know, you, rightfully so, being a young man, you were concerned. You know, you had a job that you'd been working at for quite some time, and um, you were legitimately worried. Um, we went to dinner one night, and you and I talked about it, and you were really concerned about your future, you know, where you would be if you had a future with going forward or if you were going to have to possibly do something else. You didn't know. I mean, just completely out in the open. And I'll tell you this, and I mean it. Um, you were in your 20s, and I was in my 40s. And I can tell you that as a 40-something-year-old man, no matter what walks of life and jobs that are out there, there's not many people that take it as serious and work as hard as you do. And I truly mean that. And it shows in the mornings we're out there, there's 30 boats and you're trying to, there's 120, 50 boats, and you're trying to find 10 of them to get cameras mounted Half these guys have never had a camera in their boat before in their life. And the others, you're, you're, just, you're carrying around a pocket full of those sticky deals to put on the windshields. Um, you're, you've worked out a system to where you can plug it in because you know they're not going to check the camera all day. You want the camera to work all day long and you're not going to get it back. So you're, you're trying to stick that GoPro in there or whatever kind of camera you're trying to get and get it wired up so that it'll work all day long no matter what happens. And, and you're literally sprinting in the dark at five in the morning and pouring down rain and headlights trying to find this boat and that boat. Dude, there's not many guys like that. And I knew at the time, I was like, dude, they don't, no one, no one gets rid. Like they, they may get rid of 90% of the people that work there. You will not be one of them. People just don't come around like you very often. So um, I wasn't worried about you. And obviously it's worked out well for you. And I'm happy, man. I'm happy for you. But uh, you do a great job, dude. And you've been there for everybody. So, like, on the flip side, just like with Panger, you're a big part of everybody's success, too. You know, um, you, you've you helped them along. You take the pictures, the videos, the camera work when they are having their finest hours. And it means a lot to them, too, dude. It does. Well, Riley, I appreciate that because it's, it's been a really cool job to work 
you know, through all of the different iterations and, you know, from the battery series to the Toyota series, like it's been fun. The battery series. It was uh, the ever starts in the Rayovacs for a while. I mean, we were, we were selling some juice. I know. It was awesome. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I will second what Bradley says as far as it's just kind of, you have been a staple over there as far as putting out fresh, Absolutely. innovative content, figuring out a different way. Uh, to cover things, to make it easy to digest, to put into perspective. And if there is, uh, like, dude, in my opinion, if you went to them and said, I want twice as much money tomorrow for your job, they're idiots if they don't say, yeah, you're 100% worth it because we cannot lose you. Yeah, it's time for a raise, Jody. Go in and draw the line in the sand. That's what every smart I'm man just does. Saying. I'm leaving or the <laughs> I just say don't do that. Don't regardless do that. of what you No, yeah, I mean i you know what I'm saying. Yeah, then I'll really i I'll start that lawn mowing business for sure then. <laughs> in, incredibly valuable. Uh incredibly valuable in the industry and uh and very, very knowledgeable. And dude, you can also tell that you genuinely enjoy it too, right? Like there's people who just go and do their jobs. Absolutely. And stuff. I, th- that's what I meant when I was saying that. Like yeah. it, it, it's, stick, it's obvious to everyone around that, that he cares and, and he works so hard at it and he does a really good job with it. Um, yeah. His social media, dude, your social media is banging. Like I'm jealous of some of the shots that you did. I'm sure they were on Champlain. Like one of those was a crib shot. Is that what that was? Was that a Champlain crib? The pop R on top and you've got the, the drone up in the air and, Straight yeah. overhead. I love that shot. I love the shot where you're casting, too, to the laydown. That's a great one as well. That was actually the Hudson River. Um, okay. Like, upstream of Albany, where it's kind of clear. And um, it's not really that good of fishing. And, dude, I fished, like, eight of those crits. It was like an old bridge or something that went through there. And I fished probably eight or ten of them, put the drone up, got myself lined up. Every time, like, let me get a big smallmouth to bite this. And the yep. biggest bite I got was, like, a four-inch of it came off. <laughs> there's a there's some dirty cribs on your 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 home pond there that you're so fond of that, that oh, you might be able yeah. to get that shot. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I yeah. would say, if you just, if you want to get, if you just haven't gotten enough Jody White in this, there is a, uh, there is a December 14th, 2014 YouTube video out under Gambler Lures, and all it is is just rock music and a hook set montage of Jody White just yeah, going I, ham on. I, I saw that on there some time ago. I was wondering, what, were you with Gambler at the time? How did, how did you end up doing that? Were you working for Gambler? No. Uh, I think that someone there just sent me some baits, and I sent them some video. And uh, then, I mean, honestly, like, I've used a BB Cricket a bunch since then, but I've never – I never went – it never went anywhere. <laughs> Wait, here's another one. Swim jigging bass on crab orchard in Illinois crab orchard. Yeah, dude. Ooh. So when Kentucky was bad yeah. and I lived there at the end, I started going to Southern Illinois, like a lot. Um, okay. And actually it was kind of fun. Like I liked those lakes up there. All right. Anything else? Any other thing you have a burning desire to get in here, Jody? No, I just want to tell you, I want to tell him I appreciated the waypoint. So like he fished the last open, kick both our butts, finished 20, what did you finish? Twenty first, second, third, something like that. Um, I finished below AJ Slagona. I know that. So AJ and I, you, 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 twenty six. You, you, you beat me and Matt. And uh, I, I, t- I just sat down this morning before we got on the air, and I was like, "Yeah, he was sending me waypoints all through practice with all these fish on the screen." And Matt was like, "Really?" And I was like, "Yeah, he would send them, and to be like, this one's loaded. <laughs> Look at all these, <laughs> and then send me the waypoints." I said, "Dude." 
they were all walleye waypoints. Oh, you told him we were keeping walleye <laughs> yeah. to eat, and he was like, I'll Brad said he wanted it. walleye. I'm like, anytime I found a bunch, I was like, I know the man for that, these. <laughs> the craziest thing about that was, uh, you know, we were room, me, uh, me, you, Upshaw, and, and John, Soka, and like an hour into the first day, John has never been on Oneida, nothing. We're like, hey, we keep, we keep. Uh, walleye and perch and stuff you know legal cleared it it's before pra- official practice starts anyway and like we've got a group text and andrew's like i got one and i was super pumped i was like i got two brad's like i got one john's like i got a limit of walleye three perch and nine rock bass <laughs> and we're like what the are you fishing with night crawlers like what are you doing <laughs> and look at this giant catfish yeah, I and, got. A, and a 16 pound catfish do we, <laughs> do we want it and i was like no, but where are you? I'll take a picture of it. So we met back, and I got a picture of him with it. But literally, like he was like yeah, he did. instantly, and he's like, and I got six schools. If any of you guys want to go catch him, it was so bad, Jody, that my uh, my eleven year old boy was up there with us that week, staying in the house. And by the second or third day, I came in the afternoon, and I was the last one in. And Matt was cleaning fish, and, and my boy goes, "Dad," I said, "What?" And he said, "That John guy can catch some fish." <laughs> because <laughs> he did it every day to us but it was good because we were eating them all so i was glad he was catching them yeah is, oh, is, is, uh i don't like that lake very that that much to be honest but it was a good tournament tell us tell us how you caught them i'm interested you beat us i want to hear about that tell us how you caught them um i caught them throwing a football jig on uh little rock piles like you're mm-hmm. extremely supposed to do at oneida that's what i did and then i uh Every day, I caught a big, big one on a popper on top. Um, oh. I guess around the mayflies. I actually, I think day one was a really big missed opportunity for me, which it was morning, my best morning, day. Mo- but morning popar bite or midday popar bite? Day two it was in the morning. Day one, I caught like a four and two threes at like one o'clock. Wow! What was the missed opportunity on day one? Well. Day one, I think they were also eating mayflies in the morning at one of the shoals I was on, and I did not tune into that. And if I had, I think I could have popped like a really big bag because I think I could have done it like basically all day. Very impressive. Um, I started in one of those groups. I started in one of those groups that, uh, you know, one of those shoals that had 20 boats on it, and everybody was dragging the football jig except one person, my buddy Kurt Dove. And I just heard explosion, explosion, explosion. And I thought he was jerk baiting. He was far enough away that I couldn't see him. And he had caught three, and no one else around us had had a bite. And I asked my coingler, I was like, has he got another one on? And he's like, yeah, man, he's killing them. I said, is he jerking? He said, no, I think he's pop R. Now, do you think I reached down in my box and tied one on? No. No. Nope. The bird man. The bird man. Uh. Okay, on a scale of 1 to 10, like, what do you rank Champlain? So I've never fished a tournament on Champlain. I've just covered events on Champlain. You should. You fish Champlain a ton. Like, is Champlain, in your mind, you've been around the world covering these things and every fishery and breaking it down. And In your mind, is Champlain the best tournament bass lake in the country? So I'm not an unbiased observer on this because, like, when I launched the boat at Champlain, just emotions well up in me. It's so beautiful. The, you know, if you're running down in the middle part of the lake, you've got the Adirondacks on the side, the sunsets there and the sunrises there. It's spectacular. Like I think it's a 10 out of 10 tournament lake 
it's a 10 out of 10 just going to fish lake um i i love it i don't i don't know if it's the best tournament lake in the country but it's up there man what's it's, better uh it's really good um better places i mean going out of clayton for a uh, lake ontario thousand islands tournament like I know you don't have the variety there, which the variety is the spice of life at Champlain. But, you know, there you can hide from the wind in the islands and you've got the lake and you've got like an unparalleled smallmouth opportunity, which like Champlain is good. There's a lot of fish. We don't have six pounders like left and right like they do out there. So that might be better. Um, Other than that, I, I like smallmouth a lot. So other than that, I can't really think of something. All, all, most of the Southern lakes kind of blend in together for me. I, yeah. I do really like spotted bass tournaments. They're like usually a table rock. Fun. I would put I could, Champlain and table rock on the same level, completely different fisheries. Right. But mm-hmm. I'm talking about as far as diversity, do what you want, make long runs, spread out, not fish on top of each other, multiple species play. Yeah, but yeah. the scenery. The Table Rock doesn't have grass, though, right? I know, but we're talking about. No, it doesn't. Uh, I, yeah, I, see, I, I mean, you want to be able to put a big weight in your hand every once in a while. All right, so I'll, I'll give you some ideas because obviously we like some of the same things. Because I will say, without a shadow of a doubt, coming out of Plattsburgh and making that right and turn and going south in the morning to Ticonderoga um, on a smooth morning where you're not getting your yeah. ass kicked, um, the 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 it's sun incre- coming it's up. Incredible. The sun coming up over the Adirondacks is moving. It will move your soul. Um, it's it's an incredible view. Okay, so let me throw some more at you. So I, I've experienced that. Um, I think that Lake Amistad is a beautiful place. Have you been there? I never have. I really want to go. Okay. Um, Clear Lake, California has that same yeah. mystery to it, right? Like there's big ones everywhere. They're going to bite, um, and it's beautiful. Absolutely gorgeous. Um, I, I think that those three, oh, I feel the same way about Lake Mead. And every time I talk about it, when I'm there, all the guys on the West coast are like, you got to go to Powell. If you think this one's the deal, you got to see really? Powell. Yeah. Like they, it's prettier. Yes. That's what they say. How could it be prettier than Real. the narrows at Lake Mead? So, and- have you, have you been to Lake Mead before Jody? You probably have not. Right. Am I guessing correct on that? Have you been there? I have not. I actually went on a family vacation when I was real little at Lake Powell and, uh, I guess it was really cool, but also I didn't have like a ton of Western lakes to compare it to. <laughs> so, uh, so, uh, me kind of has that same experience in the morning at takeoff. Um, you take off and, and if you're going to two of the biggest parts of the lake, the two biggest arms on the lake, you're running straight East in the morning and to run through it, you run through this area that they call the narrows. And I don't know how it is. It narrows down and shoots through there, but the, I would say the cliffs are a thousand feet high. Are they that tall? 800 feet high? They're not, a, they're not cathed- a thousand, that's cathed- not right. Cathedral high. Yeah, I mean, they're like a 20-story building. Like Game of Thrones type stuff. And and you run wow. through this, and it lays east and west, kind of. And you can't see the sun, like it's all shaded when you're coming through. And then right when you start to clear it, the sun just, boom, right in the... It, it, it's, it's, it's amazing. I mean, it's it's a lot like the Adirondacks type run to Ticonderoga. It's, it's very similar, but anyway... Those are three of my very favorite places that I've been tournament wise. Yeah. Though I, I, I agree on clear. It's, it's a gorgeous lake. I wish it was bigger. Um, yeah, 
And I would like to cover like a top level tournament there. You know, the Toyota series is amazing, but the Western Toyota series events, like they have a little bit of a different vibe than our other Toyota series tournaments, just because the field is not huge. You know, it's Mm -hmm. a, it's a little bit different. Um, But then Havasu is another lake that is really, really pretty like that. Um, and dude, once I followed, once I ran up the Colorado River, like up, you're going over like six foot deep, clear blue water with like sand flats underneath going up to the backwaters. Mm-hmm. And like, if you go up there when the sun is coming up, oh my goodness, it's a special lake. I've never done that. I've covered it. I've covered the stuff on Havasu, but I have never been up there. It's cool. Some of the stuff you get, we get to see. Yeah, you guys... covering or fishing. I think we almost appreciate it more covering it, Jody, because we don't have the pressure. Like when I used yeah, to, you're cover not in it, the, like, you're not in the hurry. You, you know, know? <laughs> it wasn't, it wasn't like, oh my gosh, my season is on the line here. It's like, this is really cool. You have the, you, I feel like you can appreciate the moments more. Not, but you, you lose it at the takeoff, like where you were talking, Brad. You've got the whole day in front of you. You're mm-hmm. in the beautiful. You've got your mm-hmm. game plan. You know, there's big bass. Everything is right with the world. So, like, when you're out to take pictures, like, you don't get that high. But then we also don't have to deal with the stress, and you know, when you're covering it. Yeah. Because I notice I've gotten – I the this year at Oneida, I intentionally tried to get – and it still didn't work. Like, you don't – to get lost in the moment. Like, a day on Thousand Islands and Alexandria Bay and smallmouth fishing with multiple 19-pound limits should not be stressful. But it was still stressful for me last year in the Open. No, right, I, I get that. Yeah, yeah, but it's still it's still really pretty. I did. I got. I got. I felt the same way about Clear Lake, Jody. I I was like out there covering yeah. it when Velvic won when he had the BV three D or the Rego bait with the sauce that he was slathering on it in the corner down there. And I just remember thinking, this thing is like a pond. Like it yeah. is. It's I, not that big. <laughs> I heard about Clear Lake, and I always used to one. I always used to think the water was clear, and it's not. <laughs> And then, two, <laughs> I uh, I thought it was, must be huge because it has 10-pounders everywhere. And I ran from, like, one end to the other one, and I was like, this is not a big lake <laughs> at all. Uh, but, you know, growing up on Champlain, I mean, a lot of lakes aren't big compared to that. But, you know, even, like, the southern reservoirs, you know, you can run 40 minutes, no problem on most of them. Growing up at Champlain, there should be nothing that you drop your boat in that you're like, Okay, this is just too big. I mean, even even the Great Lakes, like that's Champlain some, is like a Great Lake. That's some great experience. Yeah. I, I kind of felt do, that way. Oh, I was gonna say I do get seasick though. Like on Lake Erie, there's something about those rollers on Lake Ontario. Like when it's rough, like I'll be over the side. Whereas Champlain, never once in my life, no matter how rough it's been, do wow. I feel yeah. anything. I've had co-anglers throwing up over the side of the boat uh, on Erie as well. Really? Yeah, yeah I watched them eat fun. those. You know those pink, uh, you know those pink donuts that you buy in the package, the ho hos. You oh, know, oh yeah, 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 yeah. He was yeah. sitting in the morning eating those, and I knew the wind was blowing, and I was thinking oh, to myself, "Oh, that's not going to be pretty." This coming is up. not going to be good. Yeah, <laughs> he, they they came back up. Nice. Oh. nice. The last yeah, time I did good. that. Uh, me and Kyle Wood, it was after uh, Lucas won that like super tournament that we ran 
in yeah. 2020 at Sandusky. And he didn't do day five. And so we went out the next day with Gray. And they were like six footers. And Kyle and Gray Buck are off fishing off the front of the boat, catching smallmouth. And I'm in the passenger seat, just like blowing chunks. And it's it's like this is this is not great. But then I got back up, I caught a smallmouth, I started to feel a little bit better, and then we moved and I looked, you know, I spent some more time looking at live scope with my head down, and then it went right back downhill. <laughs> Whose idea, we're getting along on this show, but I just got to think, some of this really good stuff that you've worked on in the past um, was original as well, kind of like Mark Jeffries. And the Mark Daniels Jr. stuff, the Cody Meyer stuff. Yeah, man, that the stuff The Day was, 5 stuff. The Day 5 after that, that, that stuff was really good. Who Whose ideas were those um, when you guys started so, that? Because that was really original. Day 5 would have been, realistically, it was Jesse Schultz, who still works for MLF, uh used to work at FLW, Bradley, you were our guinea pig for day five. Like that was the first one we ever did. Really? And then we branded it later on. We had like an actual name for it, but you yeah. at Okeechobee was when I think you and I got maybe one bite that day. Yeah. <laughs> like it yeah. was a maybe situation. Yeah. Um, And then, you know, as far as circuit breaker, like I think uh, Travis waves, Travis and Kyle probably were sort of the uh, like probably the guys who had the idea, but I don't exactly know. But dude, day uh, not day five, but Circuit Breaker, Circuit Breaker was ahead of its time, like it, way ahead. It was. We really we let it tail off, and maybe it was going to get too crowded out anyway because at the at the point that we had it tail off. YouTube was taking off. There was a lot of other stuff happening, but mm. man, early on, gosh, that was just your first so of the good. game. You tend to stick around. Yeah. That, that yeah. Casey Martin season was great. Mm -hmm. And then the Mark Daniels junior season, like you could not have put together a better thing. Cause he caught him so good. And then Mark is like just an awesome dude. Yeah. And yeah. it was, it was beautiful. I mean, it was a, it was like a perfect show. And I didn't really do like a tremendous amount of stuff on that. Like, I don't want to take any credit for like being important to that. You know, like I held a camera and a mic like a couple of times, but it was a really good show. Like I was, I was really proud of just the folks putting that together and that we were doing it. You look back on that and it was, that was like a really cool time. Cause I remember uh, that was when live was also like starting to blow up and you're trying to figure out how you how this live element is going to work in and, you know, who has more cameras, how many days you go in live. Is it the final day? Is it? The, but even you were basically you take you and Kyle Wood and a couple of the other guys over there. You guys were basically just like a group of 20 something guys obsessed with bass fishing that FLW kind of said, all right, what do you got for us? Right. Yeah, we I mean, you could kind of just explore any of the ideas that you came up with it seemed yeah from we the were like trying everything then and it was we were trying a lot of stuff and we were like i still am not sure how we got as much done as we did like we worked incredibly hard not not that we slack off now necessarily but there was something in the water for a few years where we had like a ton of fight in us. We were like, we were whatever we thought we would do. We could do. We would do Uh Kurt Niedemeyer, my old boss. He works at yeah. Mercury now. He yeah, was like, like instrumental in that. Cause Kurt, like 
Kurt is incredible and a super hard worker. And like we had a we had a dedicated team and we had like we really knew what we were doing. Like we were pretty honed in. Like we're gonna cover the Toyota series and stuff, but we are going all in on you know how to cover the FLW tour the best previews were amazing I remember the previews because I used to do previews on Basso for the lead series and the previews that you guys did on FLW were just it was unbelievable yeah dude I think they were just they were really before their time and I mean dude they were just really good I mean really really good I enjoyed all of them yeah all three three seasons is what you guys did with Circuit Breaker right uh I want it. So it was actually four, but we never finished the fourth because it was Casey Martin and then Chad Grigsby and JT Kenny at the same time. Oh yeah. That's right. And then Mark Daniels and then, and then Cody Meyer. And we never finished the Meyer season. I forgot about the JT one. And that was one of my favorite ones because he was, he was standing out in front of the camper and y'all were asking about his day. And he's like, you see this big circle right here? This is a big circle of suck. <laughs> it was really good. That's what I call yeah. that. I call that the beer year. Yeah, yeah. There was yeah, they didn't stones. catch him in that one no. uh, that year very well, and it and like there were some times where it was kind of tough because like you could tell they weren't catching them and they were a little defeated. And at the same time, like that's part of pro fishing. You know, it's kind of hey, good that we got that on camera. The day fives are still around. They haven't gone anywhere. They're there. See Gary West saying, "I was sad to see the oh, day fives yeah, I go away." To like, that, like, yeah. like literally. They're, they just put Kyle Hall's day five on Lake Champlain out on the MLF website. Like, they're still there. Yeah. And we filmed one with Sheffield the other day. And, like, I don't want to hype it too much, but I think it's going to be pretty good. <laughs> um, are, day fives, are day fives generally, like, tough for guys like they were for me? Or do y'all just go out there and smash them? No. Like, they're almost always tougher than it should be it seems like like Mm -hmm. by the time you get to that final day i think that you've burned so much yeah or the weather changes or something like right you know with kyle halls with kyle halls day five you know to go behind the scenes a little bit we didn't fish the juice because he had the toyota series event coming up and so we like made a day five and we kind of showed how to do it but he's like here's how we had some hundredth in the upcoming tournament (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, but like we had some circumstances where we were trying to, you know, not spill all the beans necessarily. Sheffield, you know, we got some like really cool footage. Rob dove down to a boulder. Like we both caught four pounders. Like, dude, he's legit. <laughs> Metsuri is unbelievable. Yeah. His, Rob his is incredible. social media. Yeah. His, yeah, his, Gosh, uh, yeah, you guys had, had like a, and still do, and to some extent, but like, yeah, that nucleus for a couple of years was like, yeah, yeah, I mean, it was like, I'm trying to think what would, be, what would a sports team be like back then where you like didn't really like, like the early years of the Golden State Warriors. Kyle's presence, his camera presence is really good. You know what I mean? Uh, it, yeah. it just naturally, it, it comes off really, really well. He's so good on video. I'm not really that good on video. Like, it, I can, I feel like I'm pretty a pretty good talker. I'm a pretty good writer. Kyle, like you put a you put him in front of a camera and he just makes good stuff. It's yeah. every time. So it would be it would have been Niedermeyer, Kyle at, at one point, right? That was covering before this was in FLW. At one point it would have been Niedermeyer, Kyle Wood, you, Rob. Yep. Rob, uh uh 
Rob Newell and Matsura. Both of the Robs? Yeah, I'm not sure if I'm not sure if Newell and Matsura overlapped. They might have like very briefly, like for maybe a year. Okay. Um but when uh and when MLF like kind of started doing more stuff, Rob Newell kind of like went Came that back. direction. Okay. Um Yeah, that's a crazy good team. Yeah, no, we were, yeah, we were, trying, we were pretty dialed. Newell left FLW and went to work for MLF. Isn't that right? Isn't that what happened, Kyle? Kyle, uh, Jody? Before MLF wow. bought wow. FLW back yes. when... Yeah, you know. that is what happened. Yeah, no, it huh? is. Yeah, he, he, he was he like... Left. I think he was... You know, Newell's always typically done a few things. And he left... Like, he basically stopped working all the tour events and started working, like, BPT stuff. Yeah. Um, and I think we sort of like, we did, we still used him a couple times, like for a Toyota series and things like that. Um, and we still do, uh, but he's like mostly Bass Pro Tour now. Right. Right. No, I was just yeah. trying to go back in history. I, I, I thought that he had left FLW around 2018, something like that. And had gone to work for MLF. And, uh, and then of course the merger, when they buy it back a year or two later, then he's right back in the fold. Just just funny how the business goes around. It's a small, small world. Yeah. On that business note, I want like a couple hour podcast with you about the PAA. I would listen to that. Okay. I mean, I'm just saying. <laughs> yeah. 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 That that was some time ago. You think we could get John on to talk? We think John would talk about it or Mansu or who? Oh, yeah. I've got some names of people that know a whole lot about it. Yeah. Mansu would be it. High on the list. I mean, I did all those in the TTBCs. I mean, I was the, you know. Yeah. Yeah, I was trying to think of who all were the investors at, at the time when we all, towards the end when they were fundraising. They were $10,000 chunks, too. They were good. Takahiro, I think, was a couple shares. Yeah. Um, there, was, there was quite a few guys involved in that. Yeah, that, that you're right, Jody. That'd be some good stories there. The PAA. Back when. All right. Anything else, Jody? No, nah, I'm, I'm all good. I'm gonna. Uh, as soon as I get off this, I'm gonna, you know, get some ice and go fishing. Gosh, we're keeping him off the water. I kept Charlie Hartley <laughs> off the water the other day, and I genuinely felt bad. Now I've kept Jody White off the water at Champlain. Charlie Hartley was on, on Champlain too. I don't think it's that oh, good. Oh, Chautauqua. <laughs> no, it's yeah. still pretty good, I think. If uh, you Not got an Instagram, though. if you got an Instagram account. It's under Jody Blanco. Yes, and, sir. Uh, it's a good one. It's a good one. Quality stuff. Quality stuff. And well, all thanks, guys, for having me on. I really appreciate MajorLeagueFishing.com. Yeah, I can't believe I've n- never had you on before. I, really, first time. I guess it is. Finally. Anyway, good job catching them this year. Uh, keep up the good work. And follow Jody White on all of his social media platforms and then over at MajorLeagueFishing.com. What do you got coming up, Bradley, as far as uh, the YouTubes and all that? Um, I just did one over monofilament that will hopefully drop on Thursday. I will Is watch monofilament that one. still important in the game of bass fishing? I will 100% watch that one. I fish uh, I fish the Sunday jackpots with Robert DeGraffenried, and he has 20-pound monofilament string. Yep. It still has a place, I think. All year. I've only watched him break off once, and he has given him the beans. He's given him the onions. I mean, that dude reels down and hammers him. 
Mono does not break. He has jumped off a couple, though. (laughs) (laughs) It's got a little stretch. (laughs) All right. This has been another edition of BTL. Fast Talk Live. We'll just leave Jody on for the outro there. Thanks, dude. I greatly appreciate it. We're out of here. We'll see you tomorrow for day four with Frank Scalish. We're out.